0: Let's go. It may be the weekend, but there are no days off for the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to The Saturday Show. Can't wait. Can't, 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 can't wait. It's all weekend, baby. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. goes the runner, swinging a fly ball left field. Pereira going back, still going back. It's gone! Bees win! Jack Mayfield with a two-run homer to provide the exclamation point on a walk-off win for the Bees. 2 pitch. Rojas lines it to right. There it goes. It's up there. It's up there. It's gone. We're tied. Jose Rojas, five for five. Nine score. Swinging a high drive to deep right center field. Beckman going back. It's up there. It's up there and it's gone. Jose Rojas with his second homer in his many nights. And now the Bees have a 6 to 3 lead.
1: Welcome into the Saturday show. Hope everybody's doing fantastic out there. you and Lundy, along for the ride. Eric's spinning the ones and twos, as it were, behind the glass over there. Hope you all are doing great out there, wherever you might be. Tuning in on the Zone app, ninety-seven point five FM, twelve eighty AM. We're live. We're on air. We're having fun. Lundy, what's up, my friend? Oh, you know, just enjoying life. Excited to get another Saturday show rolling. I know, absolutely. Thanks for, uh, by the way, a big thank you to Austin Horton for filling in last week. Uh, I'm sure it was fun for him to be back in the saddle because he used to be like the the guy. The Saturday show guy. Yeah, so really cool to have him back. I was down in Southern Utah and appreciate you guys filling in for me, but excited to be back behind the mic having some fun and got a lot to talk about today. Mm-hmm. We have Euro Championships. Uh, well, actually, Wimbledon just switched over on ESPN. So we've got tennis. We've got the Euro, UEFA uh, Euro Championships in soccer. NBA playoffs are still going. Major League Baseball's is rolling. You heard Eric just play. We've had some fun times with the Bees this week. I know both Eric and uh, you have been producing games recently for Steve Klauke. And By the way, the, the walk-off home run call, you could hear it in Klauke's voice. He didn't think that thing was even going to go, and no. it just kept going. It was just like – it, yeah, it was one of those things where, and
2: it, it's what makes him one of the best in the business, where he was just so excited. You could hear it in his voice. Yeah. It was just, like, it, it made me pumped just yeah. listening to a highlight of it, you know, days later.
1: Well, it, yeah, see, just, and he, but the thing is, he starts the call, and uh-huh. he's like, well, that one's out to the warning track maybe, and oh, no, it's gone. <laughs> Bees win! <laughs> clocky's the best, dude. I, I, I love I, that guy. He he deserves a bigger shot at a, at a like an mlb team I, th- I that's just my personal opinion on the matter but we are lucky to have him here in salt oh, lake uh,
2: unbelievably lucky he is he is an incredible talent
1: yeah he, he does a great job
3: obviously they are back in action is it six o'clock tonight eric yeah i think so six uh six o'clock against oklahoma city dodgers and steve Clacky, just one of my best friends just a really good dude he, he he's a great guy uh you know He's not just a great broadcaster. Great guy. You guys, you guys want a
1: fun tidbit 100%. about Klauki, by the way? He does not follow me on Twitter. Do you guys know why? He
3: doesn't follow me on Twitter either. For good reason. Nobody should follow me
1: on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. There's one specific reason he's told me multiple times why he will not follow me on Twitter. What's that? It's because I tweet about soccer.
3: <sighs> that's his reason. Yeah, he does not like... That, that's the only downside of Steve Klauki. He yeah. does not like soccer. I, I don't know that
2: he... I mean, I know that he doesn't follow me. I don't know that he even knows where he could find me if he wanted to follow me. He could find you really easy. You know, uh, you know I, as much as I would be honored to have Steve Cloukey follow me, he would probably – Zero value in anything that I tweet because <laughs> okay. there is zero value in anything that I tweet.
1: Fair enough. But hey, we're having fun anyways. Uh, you can follow Lundy at 247 Lundy, interact with the show that way. I'm at Jacob C. Hatch and Eric is at Eric18Utah, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, that's the one. Uh, I'd love to have your guys' feedback on whatever we're talking about today. Uh, I honestly, thinking about this coming in today to do the show, I was trying to come up with like a quote unquote question of the day and The sports universe right now is so vast and so varied that I couldn't think of one specific one. But the one I kept coming back to, and I think will make this kind of the key part of the show, is name, image, and likeness in college sports. Because, obviously, we are a market dominated outside the Utah Jazz by the college teams here locally. University of Utah, BYU, Utah State, and to a lesser degree, Weber, Southern Utah, Dixie State, Snow, Slick. Whatever university you happen to cheer for, they dominate this market. So... We're going to talk a little bit about that. I want your opinions, you guys' opinions, those of you listening out there, we'll get them from Lundy and Eric as well, what you think of the name, image, and likeness era that is here. Do you like the fact that student athletes can now benefit from autograph signings, doing endorsements, uh, showing up and doing appearances at various events. Like what are your guys' thoughts on that? We want your guys' interaction. You can use the zone app. You can use the open mic feature, sending your take that way. It allows you to record 15 seconds of audio. Eric can pull that up and play it for us there in the producer's booth. And of course we want your guys' social media interaction as well. So kind of getting to show off the foot on that. But let's take a minute here, Lundy, and talk a little bit about the NBA. We have one side of the NBA Finals is set. That is the Phoenix Suns. They're going back to the Finals for the first time in 28 years. I remember the last time the Phoenix Suns were in the NBA Finals. The round mound of rebound, Charles Barkley himself. Uh, they lost to Michael Jordan's Chicago Bulls. Crazy thing, it's been that long. It's, it's unreal. And that's one of the things that has made
2: this playoff so fun for me. I mean, I've said it multiple times on this show mm-hmm. that – just the unknown and the parody of the league this year has been awesome. I've loved that when it was the conference semifinals, even before the Phoenix Suns punched their ticket, yeah. that the most recent finals appearance by any of those four teams was the Phoenix Suns in '93 that you were just mentioning. Mm-hmm. Like I just I love that it's you know as it were fresh blood yeah. in in the NBA playoffs, even in the in the conference semifinal or in the conference finals, the NBA semifinals. I'm just ecstatic that for once i don't know who's going to win before the games are played because when the games are played for something and we we don't know what's going on it it makes it so much
1: more engaging yeah that 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 right there i think is the key point is it it really is uh, it's been fresh blood as you as you mentioned you really just we're looking at these teams so in the East we have the Atlanta Hawks and the Milwaukee Bucks. So we're, we're waiting to see how that one plays out. By the way, those of you who may not have heard, Giannis is not playing in tonight's game in Game Six. That is official. They've made that announcement. It's my personal opinion based on how his knee hyperextended. I'd be stunned if, if they do make the finals if he even plays in that. That's just my personal feeling on that. I don't. I have not seen anything on Trey Young. So we're, we'll see if anything comes out during our it show. It is my about personal that. opinion. There you go. My first. <laughs> uh, nicely done. Look at you go, Eric. Well done, sir. No, that's okay. But <laughs> That's all right. All right. Uh, so, anyways, talking about this, the, the Phoenix Suns, they are the team that has avoided injury by and large. I think we can all acknowledge the fact that injuries have plagued essentially every other team in these playoffs, and the, the injuries have been to star players. The biggest hit that the Phoenix Suns took was the fact that Chris Paul was out due to health and safety protocols for, what was it, two games? Something like that, yeah. Like, that is the biggest hit that they have taken. And there are people out there, and I've seen it on social media, who are saying, well, this is going to be the NBA playoffs that's marred by, it's going to be the injury playoffs, the injury championship. You know what? It takes good fortune to make the NBA Finals, plain and simple. You you can get there. Like the Utah Jazz, they were the number one seed. They were dueling back and forth with the Suns for that number one seed. Both of them benefited from the fact that they had relatively healthy regular seasons, and the Suns to a larger degree because the Jazz lost Donovan Mitchell. They lost Mike Conley for stretches of that regular season. Now in the playoffs, what's happened? Phoenix has stayed healthy, and as such, they're awaiting who they're going to face in the NBA Finals yeah you know and sure I I, like I
2: understand the arguments kind of like what you were saying people are saying you know oh it's marred by injury this that and the other but that's kind of just one of the storylines that makes it interesting for me because look every team had to play the same kind of schedule right you know the everybody is facing the same dangers that make these injuries possible and even likely in some cases and so while it's unfortunate to see injuries, and I never really want to, to see one happen to anybody, like it, it's not something that delegitimizes these playoffs for me at all because everybody's dealing with them to, to one extent or another. The, the Phoenix Suns got very lucky in that, like you said, Chris Paul, in the health and safety, safety protocol. Um, Devin Booker now has to wear a mask because his nose was broken in three places. um
1: it depends on the game it feels like because he's taking off in multiple games right
2: it just depends on how he's feeling and whether or not he wants to be able to see more than just the hoop as he said sure (laughs) but like you know it's it's i don't feel like this is something that it's not like it's an unfair system right like this it affects everybody yeah and so everybody's going to have to make it so This is when it comes down to, okay, how well have you built your team? How well is your front office done in acquiring depth? How well is your head coach done in building and fostering chemistry on the court? And how well are your players doing at stepping up when those injuries happen? And so to me, I'm perfectly okay with, you know, recognizing and having fun with these playoffs. I know that some people are upset that, oh, well, we don't get to see the superstars. Right. We don't. I don't understand why that should make it just non-existent like we play these games for more than just to see the best players in the world play yeah right I mean if it was only about the star players then we would give the trophy to any super team regardless if they had a winning or losing season
1: well and the thing is that there are casual NBA fans who are there for the star players right but I'm with you the the by and large People who are fans of the NBA, they want to see the best team claw their way to the title. And I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from Phoenix at all, because I think they have been among the best, if not the best team. Right. It just so happens they've also stayed healthy and benefited from the fact that they are healthy. Yes, there are Jazz fans out there who are, and I'm going to be right there with him in many ways, saying, had Mike Conley been healthy, that Clippers series probably is a different series. Oh, 100%.
2: But, you know... If, yeah, if right?
1: some buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you know, if is good, but it's not the reality of what we're looking at. And so yeah. we can all sit here and speculate and wish, and, you know, speculation is a hell of a drug. But it's just, you know, the reality is that the Phoenix Suns stayed healthy. The Phoenix Suns are a great team, mm-hmm. even just barring other teams' injuries aside. I mean, they didn't finish with the second
1: best record in the NBA. It wasn't a fluke. Right. <laughs> That's You know, like, uh, people... 72 games. And see, the, the crazy thing about this, by the way, let, I need to note this. I saw this from Alex Kennedy earlier today. It says the Phoenix Suns had by far the worst record in the NBA over a five-year span before heading to the NBA bubble last summer. Their total record over those five seasons, 113 wins against 280 losses. Robert Sarver's franchise had not gone to the playoffs for 11 years. They've had by far the best record in the NBA ever since, 71 wins, 25 losses. They flip the script. Chris Paul has come in and been a revelation. Monty Williams has been awesome as their head coach, and he's, he's just a great—everything I understand about Monty Williams, I don't know him personally. He's got a great story. He's overcome a lot. And it's just crazy to think about. They flipped the script as heavily as they did. And they're now four wins away from winning their first NBA title in franchise history. Yeah, it's it, it really
2: has been just spectacular to watch the turnaround. I mean, you know, I guess we kind of should
1: have seen this coming
2: when the Phoenix Suns went undefeated in the bubble.
1: Well, I think a lot of people kind of, that's cute, guys. But yeah, yeah but maybe we should have well, been. Not, being, yeah.
2: I was one of those people where it was like, you know, I know people that are Phoenix Suns fans, and they were like, "Man, yeah, like you better." And it was like, "Guys, like, <laughs> they didn't make the playoffs. Like, it didn't matter that they won every game. Like, you don't get a prize for, for winning the last stretch and still not getting in the playoffs. Like, that's just. But then here we are, and it, you know, I, I was wrong. I didn't see it coming. Well, from
1: I, I don't think clear you're back alone because I, I, I kind of had a similar thought. Like, okay, great, you guys went eight and zero in the bubble. Whatever, are you in the playoffs over here? Oh no, okay, but. I think that they, and this is just my personal opinion on this with regards to the Suns, I think that they are a team who has really been very careful about building this roster. And they've had their stumbles, let's be honest. They had guys like Alex Lennon they took in the top five. Uh, What's the other guy's name out of Kansas? Um, Ended up going to Memphis and then got demoted to the Memphis G League team. The name will come to me at some point here. So they've had their faults because they've been picking at the top of the draft for some time Mm -hmm. they hit on Devin Booker and the funny thing is the Jazz had a chance at Devin Booker and they picked Trey Lyles that'll be one of the things I think many people look at and say wow what could have been they also got DeAndre Ayton and Ayton has finally come into his own there are a lot of people thought he was another big man bust He has come into his own this year and been marvelous and by the way Chris Paul 36 years old still getting it done Props to you, sir.
2: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and De- DeAndre Ayton has done a lot of crediting to Chris Paul for yes. helping him become – because Chris Paul understands – I mean, he, you know, this is a phrase that's used often, uh, and I think it still applies to Chris Paul, where he's a coach on the floor. Oh, yeah. he, he understands what's going along. He, he knows not just what his role is, but what everybody else needs to be doing. And so he's been mentoring DeAndre Ayton, even though Chris Paul's never played big man. You know, he's probably never played five – in his life, except for maybe if he's playing pickup with his kids, um, probably. <laughs> and so, you know, he doesn't know from experience how to play the position, but he's been around a lot of other guys that do know how to play that position. He's been the pos- position that feeds that position, and so he's able to tell him, "Okay, position yourself here. Do these kinds of things. We need you to run back on on the floor on this kind of scenario." And DeAndre Ayton has really blossomed because of Chris Paul. And his, his mentorship.
1: And that's the thing about a guy like Chris Paul. He has been around so many different franchises, worked with so many different players, especially big men. And you're right. He has been instrumental to in getting DeAndre Ayton to the level he's playing at. Who knows how long Chris Paul is going to play in Phoenix? We don't know. But I don't know how long he's going to continue playing his NBA career. It feels like right. at 36, like you're like, okay, dude, you how much more do you have? But it just seems like he just continues to get it done. Right. He And by the way, Chris Paul... There's one thing I will always respect about him is that, that pick and pop, that, that, that jumper when he gets into the lane, that 15-footer right at the top of the key. Just at the elbow there. It is money. Never misses. And that's the thing. He, he could probably do that for the next four or five years and just continue to get it done, it feels like. Yeah,
2: it's, it's, it's the kind of thing where every time I turn on a game and watch him play, like I feel like even though I have this reaction, I turn it on and I see him and it's just like, man, this guy's been in the league for forever. Like, how is this guy still on the floor? Well, and then he pulls up and hits a shot, and I go, man,
1: he's good. It feels okay. Eric, you may be too young for this, but the Chris Paul versus Darren Williams debate <laughs> yeah. Chris Paul and Darren Williams were connected at the hip. I can remember being a Jazz fan and saying, no, Darren Williams, he got this, he got the size, he got this. Well, it feels like Darren Williams retired eons ago. Forever ago. And CP3 still over here getting it done. Right. He's still an all-star. Yeah. And it's
2: not just because of his past accomplishments. It's because of what he's doing right now that he's an all-star. And, you know, yeah, I remember, like you, I remember the, they got drafted pretty close to each other, and there was just that constant back and forth as to who was better. And, you know, from this perspective, living in Utah, watching the Jazz, cheering for the Jazz – it was always very biased, where it was, it seemed like every time they played head to head, Darren Williams came away looking like the better player. Yeah, and so at the time it was like, why is this even a debate? It's clearly Darren Williams. Well, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and it, no, it clearly was not Darren Williams the, because the
1: longevity a- aspect of it. Yeah, it belongs to CP three. Yeah, it's, there's no doubt about that. It just, it's crazy to think about. And I, for one, I'm rooting for the the Phoenix Suns and. Mm-hmm. I, so I actually was talking to a friend of mine who was big Jazz fan. And he said, how can you root for the Suns? They're, they're in the West. They're going to get their first. I'm like, sue me. I, I, I like the way that team is constructed. And there are a lot of people. And by the way, if you guys are out there, I know there's a bunch of you who do not like CP3. Because he has been an antagonist for many, many years in the, in the NBA, and especially to the Utah Jazz. Because he has not forgotten all of those debates with regards to Darren Williams and him early on in their career.
2: Right. And you know, that's one of the big accomplishments in my mind this season for CP3 is prior to this year, I was one of those people that could not stand to watch him play. And yet this year, I find myself whenever I am watching him play, just constantly going, man, he, he gets- is really good. And it's just kind of like, it, it feels weird and kind of almost dirty for me to be like, <laughs> watching him and enjoying myself while I'm watching him because he's he is playing at a high level and it's fun I'm like I have a good time when I watch the Phoenix Suns play and it it feels wrong and I feel like I should you need to apologize
1: for that (laughs) you need to repent
2: yeah (laughs) but I'm not going to because they're still in
1: yeah, they, they're they playing well. Um, one thing before we hit our first break here, Alex, let's, let's bring this like, closer to home with the Utah Jazz. The one thing, and David Locke brought this up with DJ and PK yesterday, I've been thinking about it ever since he said it, and he said that the, the biggest thing he wants to see from the Jazz is them developing roster versatility. And what he meant by that is being able to play in different ways. And it felt like at points this year the Jazz had different ways they could play, but In the playoffs, we all kind of saw that they really only had the one way that they were built for. And he wants to see them try and develop just a roster versatility. And he mentioned the fact that the Suns, before, he's like, I know there are going to be Suns fans out there who are going to get on me about this. The Suns very much have an identity. They have one way that they play by and large. But he says they have enough versatility to, to work around that. Dario Saric, for example, is their backup five. He is not DeAndre. (laughs) There's no No. doubt about that. But it's a different way to play, and it's been something that's beneficial for them. So he wants to see them develop that. And I've been kind of thinking about that ever since he mentioned it yesterday with David and Patrick. And it really makes a lot of sense because I, for one, thought that the Jazz had multiple ways to play. But the playoffs, I think, revealed that two things in my mind. They need to have that roster versatility where they can play with different formations, different styles. But also, they need an upgrade in athleticism on the wing.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I agree 100% with you and I agree 100% with David where it, like, you know, it, it may have seemed like the Jazz had a lot of versatility in the ways to play, but really I think what it was is the fact that they, you know, the Jazz identity this past season was we're going to play our version of basketball and we're mm-hmm. going to force you to play our version of basketball. And when somebody would do something different, sometimes it would catch the Jazz off guard, but then they'd find a new way to identify what the other team was doing and then still play their version of basketball while stopping whatever that team was doing. And so it felt like they had versatility because it was, oh, okay, they're used to this look now. But in reality, they didn't make adjustments because they couldn't make adjustments. They had one way of playing, and that was what did them in against the Clippers was the Clippers... The Jazz couldn't force them to play jazz basketball.
1: Yeah, the the, the Clippers imprinted their style on the series. Yeah. very much that was the case. And see, okay, again, the one other thing on this, we got to hit a break here in just a moment. Is the whole argument for developing that roster versatility? I'm all for it, but I'm also concerned, and th- I think this is going to be something that Justin Zanuck now takes over as the chief decision maker in the front office for the Utah Jazz, as the GM with Dennis Lindsay, still playing a role as a a consultant here, is that. You need to start hitting on draft picks and finding the guys on the wing. I know there are a lot of people out there who are, were mighty upset about Udoka Azubuki, Azubuki's pick last year. The, trust me, I, I've seen it all over social media, especially in the aftermath of what happened here with the shakeup in the front office. The problem I foresee is that the Jazz, everybody wants what they're looking for Now, can you go find another diamond in the rough? They got Donovan Mitchell at number, was it was it 13, 14? Something like when that. When the yeah. Nuggets took him. You got Rudy Gobert at 27. The Jazz under Dennis Lindsay have done a pretty decent job at finding talent in the back half or the middle part of the draft. And they're gonna be in the back half again this year. Can you find somebody? And also, can the young guys who are on this roster? I'm thinking of Elijah Hughes. I'm thinking of Mie Aone. I'm thinking of, if Trent Forrest sticks around, I don't know what Trent Forrest, is. he's on a two-way deal, so he obviously he's going to be a restricted free agent and have, I'm sure, opportunities. Can those guys take the step forward and give that versatility to the Jazz? That is going to be an, a major key to any success moving forward, I feel like, for the Jazz, especially if they want to go further in the playoffs.
2: Yeah, for sure. You know, and yeah, it. I mean, if it were easy to find diamonds in the rough, everybody would be out in the rough looking for diamonds, right? Yeah. That's just like they're not (laughs) there very often. And so it's it is difficult. And, you know, a lot of fans are going to be upset when, you know, if the Jazz draft somebody that they think can be that, you know, that stretch for that wing defender Mm -hmm. and that person doesn't pan out, then a lot of the fans are going to, you know their their feathers are all ruffled and things like that and yeah you know I can't really say that I blame them but I also understand <laughs> I also understand you know that it's it's not the easiest thing to do you know you have to evaluate like you said the talent that you currently have do, mm-hmm. do we have anybody that can fit this if we don't can we draft somebody that can fi- fix you know fit this position
1: and hope that somebody else doesn't see
2: it in that right. athlete yeah and take it first yeah and you know if we can't do either of those things are we able to shop around are we able to make some trades are we able to sign some people like you know it's it's a job that i'm not envious of because it's it's something that i definitely don't know how to do i mean you know i can sit here and say well yeah go sign somebody radio yeah (laughs) well just go do this all right yeah sure it's really easy to say that it's a whole different and this is just my personal do opinion i could be very wrong about this i probably <laughs> am very wrong about it but well
1: that, see, but you, you bring up a very good point is there's some interesting times ahead for the utah jazz and we'll continue to cover it. obviously the shows during the week dj and pk hans and scotty the big show they'll have that covered we'll cover it here on the saturday show we'll talk about it the draft is at the end of this month so we're gonna see what happens with that and justin zanuck got a lot on his plate as he carries the Jazz into a new era. It'll be very interesting to see what kind of his imprint is here. He's been, he's been a key part of it, yes. but it's been Dennis Lindsay's Jazz. It's now Zanuck's Jazz, and we'll see what happens with Jay-Z. All right, coming up next, we'll kind of kick off our conversation about name, image, and likeness. If you guys have thoughts on it, you have questions, concerns, whatever it might be revolving around, name, image, and likeness for the local college teams or just the college athletic sphere, the universe itself, let us know at 24-7 Lundy, at Jacob C. Hatch, at Eric18Utah. You also can use the Zone Sports Net, our show, not show our station Twitter feed as well. Send it there, and we'll make sure to get them on the air. That's all coming up next right here on the Saturday Show.
0: Whether you're stuck at the mall, in the yard, or making a quick trip to the home improvement store, We've got your back.
3: It's gonna be May.
0: This is The Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.
1: Welcome back to the Saturday show. Yach and Lundy along for the ride this afternoon here on the Zone Sports Network. A big thank you to all of you for tuning in. Hope you guys are doing great. Weather up and down the Wasatch Front, absolutely wonderful. It's 4th of July weekend. Uh, I'm sure people out there are going to be at fireworks shows, barbecuing, all that fun jazz. Lundy, what you got for your 4th of July? What are your plans? Uh, you know, I usually spend a
2: lot of time with family. Um, I also, you know my own personal celebrations i usually pop in a movie and watch you know just when it's like the really gross hot time of the day sure and you don't want to be outside as much you know standing over a hot grill like you know save that for like other times you know earlier in the day or later in the day No doubt. but i, I tend to pop in a movie um for a long time it was star wars a new hope okay I like that was it. my fourth of july movie because you know it's the story of America's founding, if it happened a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> uh, nice. However, I've, I've recently transitioned. I've, okay. I've, I've left the Star Wars realm, and July 4th is what I use to kick off my Marvel Cinematic Universe rewatch. And so I start with ah. Captain America, the first Avenger, which feels a little bit more true to the... Uh, you know, yeah. spirit of the the holiday
1: that works. Yeah, red, so. white, and blue, Mister. The yeah, I, I I'm with you on that. That's actually a pretty good one. Uh, by the way, you are wearing an absolutely marvelous shirt. I know Eric <laughs> can see it, nobody else can, but that is a great, great shirt. A big old bald eagle. We need to get it. Can we find a bald eagle scream drop? You think, Eric? Yeah, I'll we'll work on Let's it. See if we can find one on. That'd be good. Uh, so, anyways, but fun weekend ahead. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to a fireworks show tonight, and it should be fun. My kids are by the way fireworks they're just like this is
2: awesome so fireworks are one of those things that like i can't explain like i've tried to think about why i enjoy
1: them i'm with you though i can't explain it. like
2: there's no like i could write out everything about fireworks on paper and on paper it shouldn't be something that's (laughs) enjoyable it draws you in though but a fireworks show is one of the coolest things ever like it's just you know stuff that's exploding and it's i mean i guess if we put it that way that makes a lot of sense um, you know, just watching things blow up. Um,
1: but it just, it, it kind of drags you in, because you're just enthralled by. Yeah. I, I can just sit there and just watch. It's just great. You're just like, huh, this is relaxing, watching yeah. things blow up in the sky.
2: As, as long as, you know, and I, I do get a little bit picky sometimes with the fireworks shows, if the, you know, like, the, the soundtracks that they use. Sure. Because, you know, like, I want it to be patriotic and things. <laughs> yes. There we go. You know, like, I want to hear and feel that eagle screech. And, you know, I get that Katy Perry is singing about fireworks, <laughs> but it's not the same as, you know, it's not a patriotic song. Sure. I, I'm it's, with you on that. So, like, don't, don't, don't put Katy Perry in my fireworks displays. Save Katy Perry for another time because I do, I do have a soft spot for certain songs of hers. Sure. Um, you know, Guilty Pleasures and whatnot, but don't, I don't want it in my fireworks show.
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm kind of with you on that. But having a lot of fun today. Of course, if you guys – also, by the way, if you guys have your plans for the 4th of July, great ideas, what you're grilling, whatever, let us know. Eric,
3: what do you got going on this weekend? I think I'm heading back home to see some family. I don't know if they're actually – we're not – I'm big into 4th of July, but they're not so much. Okay. I'll, uh, you know, I don't know, do something, hang out outside, maybe go see – I'm kind of – I, I'm a curmudgeon. I, I, I don't really. The fireworks stuff kind of bugs me. I like to get to bed at like around 11 on the 4th of oh, July. So you, you, don't, you don't like the explosions so waking you I'm not, up? I'm not really a big fan of that. And it feels like the state could like entirely be on fire by Monday. So. There is, um, there is that concern. So, uh, yeah. But I mean, I love the 4th of July. I like being outside. I'll probably uh, have a few sodas and other beverages, and, uh, you know, enjoy the grilling, and uh, yeah, it'll be a good time. But uh, I am also slightly afraid that I'll be back here Monday doing the bees, so uh, that, that could also happen. So uh, I, I'm going to take it as it comes, but uh, 4th of July is always a fun time. It is. It is a
1: fun time. There's no doubt about that. So, like I said, if you guys have what you, your plans are, well, share them with us. We'd love to get you guys' interaction in that regard as well. Mm-hmm. Specifically,
2: but, what you're going to have on your grill—that's yeah. what I. That's that's where my interest primarily lies. I want to know what's on your grill. If you can tweet me pictures,
1: even better. <laughs> that's always good too. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. All right, let's talk a little about name, image, and likeness here, Lundy. Uh, this week, uh, the NCAA putting in what they're they're terming currently our interim rules regarding name, image, and likeness. They're hoping that uh, Congress, the United States Congress, both House Representatives and the United States Senate will pass a federal bill that will, I guess, implement actual rules or permanent rules regarding name, image and likeness. I have my uh, doubts that a bipartisan agreement will come in any uh, short fashion with regards to that. But what has kind of been your thoughts here as we see this new era opening up? We're seeing players all of a sudden signing all kinds of sponsorship deals. I think I saw Spencer Radler uh, is now being like the spokesman for raising canes. So some fun stuff like that's already happening.
2: Yeah. You know what? And, and it should have been happening for a long time, in my opinion. It's, it's about time that we finally got something in here because, you know, the NCAA has been pounding its chest saying we need to protect amateurism for so long but here's the thing. The Olympics run on an amateur model. Yep. Yet, if you were to follow the Olympic version of amateurism, you were no longer eligible for the NCAA. Correct. And that doesn't make sense to me to say, you're competing at the highest level, so we are no longer allowing you to compete at our level. Like, what? Yeah. What are we. T- and it's not like this takes any money out of the pocket of the NCAA anyway, right? Yep. Like,. If anything, it brings more exposure to their product, and they're able to—I That I mean, the rising tide raises all boats, and so I don't understand why it's taken so long. I'm glad that we finally got here with the NCAA being dragged kicking and screaming into this new era, but— it's, I think it's It's about time, and I think this is a very positive thing for, for college athletics.
1: And see, so the poster child for what you're describing was Jeremy Bloom for me. I had to look up his name there. Former Colorado standout, Buffalo football player. Also was a participant in, I believe, was it two different Olympics? In the Winter Olympics, Winter Olympic Games as a skier. Well, he started taking endorsement money because in the Olympics, you're allowed to endorse products and whatnot that mm-hmm. can help you while you train for your sport over here. But as you mentioned, the fact that he took that endorsement money made him ineligible, according to NCAA guidelines. It became a whole big issue, and he eventually, I think, was declared ineligible by the NCAA. He went on to play for a time in the NFL, was drafted. But the new era here, you're right. The NCAA has been dragged kicking and screaming into this because California got it started with the first passage of a bill with name, image, and likeness being eligible for their athletes i think we're up to 24 states who have uh, passed legislation or expected to pass it the state of utah is not among them the last conversation i had with a state legislator in this state was that there was nothing that was currently on the docket and obviously there nothing would be passed until the next time the congress got together next january but funny enough with the current rules as implemented by the ncaa the state of utah doesn't need to do anything now no it, it opens it up. So these, these athletes, whether the University of Utah, Utah State, BYU, Weber State, Southern Utah, they can now, Dixie State as well, they can all benefit from their name, image, and likeness. And there are a lot of people out there, and trust me, this debate has been raging on and on all week long, saying, well, it's not going to benefit these athletes all that much. There, there's just not that much money out there. I'm like, okay, any money is better than zero money. Right. And if it's not going to benefit them, why are we against
2: it? Yeah. Like, like- If it's not going to change anything, then what's
1: the problem? Why not say, okay, let's try it? Sure. You know? Give it a shot. That's the biggest thing, and I'm looking forward to this. And my my biggest qualm with the whole deal was that coaches are being paid millions of dollars. The NCAA is making billions with a B on the backs of these athletes. And there's one group in this entire conversation who has been getting essentially— Trust me, I understand the whole argument of them having a scholarship, the stipends they're getting, all that stuff. But when it's a billion-dollar industry, they should benefit from it as well, and that's why I'm looking forward to this. If you're going to make billions of dollars off of them, they should be able to get a cut of that pie.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, there is. I have heard a lot of people give their arguments against it, saying, well, it's just going to create all of these issues, all of these problems, you know, people are going to— you know, start paying all of these students to come to these schools and things like that. I want to kind of clear some things up because I think that people have this misunderstanding about NIL and what it is and what it isn't. Mm -hmm. What it isn't is just opening the floodgates and saying any and all money you're now allowed to receive. Yeah. Um, On The Athletic, uh, you know, they've done a good job of compiling all of the different kinds of things that are in there. Um, They have how college athletes are prohibited from making money in this system. So there are still rules. Uh, There's no quid pro quo, so they can't be compensated for work that's not performed. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's no compensation that's contingent on initial or continued enrollment at a school. So recruits cannot be paid to attend an institution, and they can't be paid to stay there and avoid the transfer portal. Uh, There's no compensation that is contingent on an athlete's performance or achievement, an athlete's NIL value might be enhanced by performance, but an athlete cannot have any financial incentive based on points scored, et cetera.
1: Yeah, there's no pay for play.
2: Here. Right. Um, college athletes cannot receive benefits that are inconsistent with institutional policies.
1: And we all saw BYU this week exactly raked over the coals for the. Yeah. Well, that has to be with the honor code. What they can't endorse coffee? You ever read the BYU honor code, anybody? Yeah. <laughs>
2: and and it's 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 explicitly stated here, yeah. like. If BYU were to allow that, they'd
1: actually be in violation. Yeah, they would be in violation. And And Utah State also came out with their parameters. And the only thing that Utah State's different from BYU on is, yeah, coffee's okay. You can endorse coffee.
2: Um, And then lastly, the the last prohibited thing, athletes cannot wear an athletic brand on the field that does not represent the financial deal an institution has with another athletic apparel company. Fair enough. makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, but things that they can make money with, social media, sponsored posts and advertisements, autograph sales, YouTube channels and Twitter videos, private training lessons, merchandise endorsement deals, and, you know, a few other things that aren't mentioned here specifically. So it's not limited to just that. But, you know, this isn't just a free for all. This isn't something that they say, well, just anybody and everybody can throw money at these athletes to do whatever they say. No, there are still things that they can be recruiting violations, you know, and I think as well, you know, a lot of people think that well, the big, the Alabamas of the world, the Texases of the world, they're going to get all of the, you know, this is going to funnel even more people to them. I actually kind of disagree because prior to this, uh-huh. you know, if they were making a little bit of money under the table, then sure, they'd go there and they'd sit on the bench. But now they can make money legally yeah, where they don't get in trouble. They, their career is not in jeopardy if they get found out. And they
1: can get playing time. And that's right there is the biggest thing is you need to – if you want to benefit from this, you need to be on the field. Right. The third string offensive tackle, okay, sure, some restaurant locally who you become good friends with the owner may hook you up with some meals or some 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 extra money to walk around with. But if you really want to make big money, you got to be on the field. So I'm with you in that regard that there are going to be guys, yeah, who may go to Alabama initially but then find themselves second or third string on the depth chart are like, well, I want to get what that guy's getting. I'm going to play over here. Mm -hmm. Or if they're smart enough, even in the lead-up to signing day, they're trying to figure out where they're going to college, they have the thought, okay, where can I be best utilized? Where can I be best featured? Where can I find the most quote-unquote screen time? Mm -hmm. That way I can cash in on this. Right.
2: The money's available everywhere now, and legally so. There's still probably going to be some illegal deals going on yeah. you know under the table you know oh, are paying you to come it's here the Because
1: the ncaa has been happening since literally they started the foundation right yeah.
2: and so i mean it's been happening before it's going to continue to happen now um if they get found out they may or may not get punished depending on how big the school is and how profitable they are mm-hmm. uh but now you can go and say you know what's more valuable to you a little bit of money and riding the bench or the same or more money and being able to play
1: yeah, that and see, I'm I'm interested in that. And by the way, one final note on this, we'll we'll continue this conversation. We're going to have comments from both John Hartwell as well as Tom Homo, uh, Utah State's athletic director, as well as BYU's athletic director. We'll get to those in the one o'clock hour. I'll let you hear a little bit. They were on the Zone Sports Network earlier this week. I'll let you hear some of their comments on how they're navigating this new world with name, image, and likeness. The one other thing I want to note here locally for these athletes is that Utah. Is very much a social media heavy state. We, yes. There's just like there's like the, almost this intrinsic understanding of how to promote oneself, and whether that's good or bad, you can have that opinion. But I think it's going to benefit these athletes here locally. That's just my personal opinion on the matter. Um, one note before we go here, Scooter Burke, our uh, longtime listener, says he is going to the Stadium of Fire tonight in Provo, down there at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Have some fun. I think is it Lee Greenwood and Colin Ray? I think are the that sounds headliners right. for Stadium of Fire this yeah, year. Yeah, I'd have to
2: look it up, but that sounds right to me. As a guy
1: who grew up uh, Stone throw away from LES, uh, I'll tell you this: fireworks show down there do a pretty good job with that. All right. Anyways, uh, coming up next, we'll get to technical fouls. We'll round out the one uh, the noon the noon o'clock hour, twelve o'clock hour. That was a gaff. Anyways, we'll get to that next. Coming up right here on the Zone Sports Network
0: the yard, or making a quick trip to the home improvement store, we've got your back. It's
3: gonna be May.
0: This is the Saturday Show on 97.5-1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.
3: If you're coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet, that's a technical foul. If you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you touch the
0: thermostat, you'll get hit from the back says a technical foul. You will my wrath. It's a technical foul. Personal file, 69, offense. He was giving them the business. A technical
1: foul. It is that time. Oh, there we go. All right. It is that time. It's technical foul time here on the Saturday show, rewarding the people who have been uh, dumb in sports, or even beyond that, a little bit. Uh, Lundy, where are we going this week to kick things off? So I want to start
2: with a, you know, part of a story. I don't want to get into the main story itself. Okay. Um, but there's been a lot going on with Trevor Bauer. Sure. Um, in MLB, I don't really want to get too much into that side of it because you know, let's just suffice it to say, Trevor Bauer is being investigated for sexual assault allegations. Um, it's a gross story let's we're not going to talk about anyway so all of that came out um and before thursday night's game dave roberts the dodgers manager um was kind of asked about the situation and dave dave roberts said that trevor bauer is with the team in washington dc right now and that at the time they were planning on letting him start sunday's game and he said their direction was not to do anything until they got guidance from from Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. His quote was, it's out of our hands. <laughs> the manager of the Dodgers, who is one of his players, is being investigated for something. It's out of our hands. We have to let him start. Are you hey, kidding me? Like, Like, <laughs> I just don't, like, the manager of the Dodgers, and a half hour later, he released an adjusted lineup for that night's game.
0: Yeah.
2: So, you very much – it. your hands are very much in control of who starts and who doesn't. So why not take Trevor Bauer out of this when, all, you know, thankfully Major League Baseball stepped in and said, okay, he's on a, you know, a, a seven-day leave. He will not be starting while this investigation plays out. So, you know, kudos to Major League Baseball for doing the right thing. But technical foul on Dave Roberts and the Dodgers for – like well, we don't have control over our roster. Yeah, like, that, well, who does then?
1: Yeah, who who exactly is in control of your team? Like who you you are the manager? Like you make the roster decisions right. here. It's just yeah, it's it's such
2: a cop out. Yeah, thing. That, yeah.
1: Rid- ridiculous on that front. All right, I got one here, guys, and this one's kind of interesting to me. I'm not sure where the technical foul lies, if there is one that lies here. But uh, so of course the Olympics are upcoming. Uh, athletes are getting ready to head to Tokyo. Well, uh, there are, uh, there's skulls. It's part of the sailing portion of the Olympics. It's a two-person uh, event where they're in a boat together. Well, apparently, Amanda Bateman, uh, she has been, quote, quote here, she's been visualizing the Tokyo Olympics for years, the sights, the sounds, the smil- smells, everything, but she never saw herself here. Rowing with a new partner in a weed-ridden crocodile-filled river in regional Queensland, Australia, to get ready. For the event. And anybody who knows anything about crocodiles in Australia, they are terrifyingly large. As everything in Australia sure, is. Sure. Like, yes.
2: Everything and anything there is specifically designed to kill you effectively <laughs> and painfully. Um, like, do they not have. So non-crocodile infested can they not do this anywhere else like a pool or something they're
1: currently training on the Fitzroy River which sits in the heart of central Queensland's crocodile country the reason why is apparently this river kind of mimics the rivers that they're going to be uh, sailing on in Tokyo in addition to being on the same I'm trying to say time zone as Tokyo so here's my question (laughs) you know how they have those like
2: Infinite pools uh-huh. where you can just swim and swim yeah. and swim. And there's a cr- can they not do that for the rowing team? Do we
1: have to have crocodiles involved in this? Y- you'd think so. And There's actually a picture here of a 5.2 meter crocodile, and a meter is what just over three feet, so it's nearly 20 feet long, Jeez. sitting on this trailer in Queensland that was uh, shot and killed in 2017. Oh my gosh! These crocodiles are terrifying. Like. Okay, I get the idea. Okay, let's get on the same type of river and let's get on the same like time zone. Blah 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 blah. blah. But crocodiles? I mean, I guess like I get it. Where it's you know, if you
2: can, if you can sail safely through crocodiles and like set a world (laughs) record, you can do it in the you know, if you it's the if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball, man. Yeah, it's mentality, I guess. So
1: sure, I'm you know Australia, you you guys, you do you. It's just so funny. Uh, by the way, Rosie Popa, or Papa, is her school's uh, sailing partner. Uh, speaking of Bateman, who we mentioned earlier, Amanda Bateman. Uh, Papa's parents are bronze medalists in sailing uh, from the 1980s, I believe. So there you go. Just <laughs> All right. Yeah, so that river was chosen, again, due to its similarities to the climate and time zone in Tokyo. Okay. But apparently they couldn't train one of the days because I. Is it Hyacinth? Uh, It's a waterborne It's like a weed. It took over the river. It just grew so much they couldn't even sail that day. So uh, whatever. You you do your thing. But I'm not going in with crocs. I'm just telling you that much. All right. So there you go. Eric, you got anything for us?
3: Yeah, just uh, briefly, very yep. briefly. Uh, Tour de France lady who knocked down all of the bicyclists. Way to go! Technical fouls on you. And uh, loved your sign. Is she the one that was had the sign out there? That, like, will... uh, do you know what that sign said, Lundy?
2: I'm trying to remember.
1: Like... It was
3: like, "Shout out to my grandma and grandpa." <laughs> <laughs> when she actually disappeared for a
1: little bit, and they, they caught her. Fi- finally. They finally caught her, but they could. They they were afraid for a minute she'd slip the country. Oh man. All right, so there you go, technical fouls for this week. And, yeah, just be careful around crocodiles in Australia because, as Lundy says, everything in that country feels like it can kill you, plain and simple. All right, coming up next, uh, you'll hear from both John Hartwell, Utah State Athletic Director, as well as Tom Homo, BYU Athletic Director, their thoughts on name, image, and likeness they made earlier this week on the Zone Sports Network. That's coming up next right here on the Saturday Show.